Hello, my name is Stephen Smith, and this is the ABA Business Leaders Podcast. This is part two of our five-part series with Oswin Latimer. If you would like to watch the entire conversation, please check out our ABA Business Leaders membership at www.3piesquared.com. You'll also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and if you do enjoy this podcast, please subscribe or add it to your favorites so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. I hope you enjoy this conversation. This is our second uh present or webinar for below the surface of autistic behaviors and today we're going to be exploring um autonomy assent and advocating and these are all kind of going hand in hand and we want to make sure that when we're doing anything with aba or anything with anyone that we are respecting all three of these the right to choose your course in life the right to um say no to something that you don't like, and then your ability to advocate for what you need. And I want to start with an example, pretty simple example. Um, You sit down with a child to work on identifying an apple, a banana, and an orange, and the child gets up and walks away to the other side of the room, which of the following is this? And now I want to preface this with the um, understanding that this is a functional thing that the child wants to learn. We're going to just make the assumption that the child wants to learn the difference between an apple, a banana, and an orange so they can ask for one of those for a snack, for instance. They like all three of these, or they don't like one of them, but they want to be able to say, I don't want the orange, I want the banana, I want the apple. So we're going from first from the assumption that this is a functional skill that we are trying to teach because um, non-functional skills don't really hold as much weight. So which of these, or when we look at this, we... We want to see, okay, is this task avoidance? Is this removal of assent? And is this self-advocacy? Or is this all of the above? And I personally believe it is all of the above. Yes, the person has decided to not do this task in the moment. That is a refusal. When we walk away, that is escape from our four functions of behavior. Um, but that is also innately the removal of assent. The child at that moment does not consent or assent to learning the different or to identify an apple, a banana, and an orange. And it's also self-advocacy because if we don't have the words to say, I don't want to do this or no, or I'm uncomfortable or I need to use the bathroom or I'm just going to go stim on the corner because it's really loud in here. I don't care what the reason is. It is a self-advocacy movement too, or to have the behavior that communicates, I am not doing this task right now. So with that in mind, we want to think about this in terms of um, what we do to get our needs met, right? And so in this moment of sitting down to work, there is a barrier in place that has caused the person to get up and move away. We don't know what that barrier is right now, we are not going to find out what that barrier is right now because we haven't done anything or this is a made up situation and I can't tell you which one of these it's going to be with any given person. So we're not going to get into that part, but we know that there is a barrier in place because the child has then advocated by getting up and walking away. The next step to getting that need met, whatever that need is that's causing that, um, that work refusal, 
then is what we start to target so that we can help with antecedent strategies. We also want to be working on self-advocacy skills, which is um, which can be more functional for the person because just because they've gotten up and walked away does not mean that they're having their needs met in that moment. They are just saying this is what we can't do in the moment. So getting, being helped is the next step to getting needs met, which means that we have to be able to analyze that situation into more than just an avoidance of the task. And then when the person is helped, that is an automatic reinforcement. When you get your needs met, you are automatically reinforced. It is not a concern anymore that we have to then do anything extra on top of that, although we might want to. Um, but just getting needs met is automatically reinforced. This is important when it comes to our ascent, right? Because, and our autonomy, because if we are, and this comes from self-determination theory, if we can get our needs met, so access to the environment, um, this is under, oh my goodness, I just completely lost a word, but being able to navigate our surroundings is a core function of autonomy. Our ability to believe that the people that we are connecting with are going to value our autonomy is another step to self-determination. And then having the autonomy itself is a key for self-determination. So we want to be able to teach how to access our environments and not just changing that behavior. So do kids do well when they can? And from Ross Green's work, um, uh, Collaborative Problem Solving, or they've changed the name recently, but it's still CPS. Yes, we know that kids do well when they can. So when we stop putting that value judgment of kids do well when they want to, kids who are securely attached all will do well when they can. So we can shift our focus of behavior from, especially when we're looking at, at that task refusal, when we're looking at all those forms of um, removal of assent as ways to know that there is a root cause, a root problem going on. So what can no look like? Because removal of assent is typically no. Well, it can look like a lot of things. It can look like walking away from instruction like we saw in this um, example. It can just be posturing your body away. This is something that neurotypical people do quite a bit is when they feel uncomfortable or bored, they will start to posture their bodies away from a person. This happens with autism too, um, but it may not even be a full body posture away. It may just be a head to the side. It may be any number of things that can show a disinterest or lack of assent in that moment. Screaming and crying are the ones that people are typically wanting to have fixed the, the fastest because they're loud and they hurt. And especially with screaming or any other form of aggression like that, then we also feel attacked as a person. Um, so it's really important to recognize that this is a removal of assent, but that does not mean that that's not where we're stopping, right? That is where we, that's the starting point is that removal. And then things like hiding under the table. Um, there's so, uh, so many kids that that will be the response. Um, and all these are the ways that we remove assent. Um, and it's important 
to know that this is not that we are not assuming that doing or that doing in the moment is assent. It just means that we are doing in the moment um, for any number of reasons. So how can we respond to that removal of assent? First, uh, ground to your surroundings. We talked about this last um, last video that we we want to be able to recognize what's going on in our environment. What are those barriers for the child in that moment? Validate the child's feelings. If they have removed assent, then that means that they feel that they can't do the thing. And that is valid. Even if you feel like that they can do it, just them, their reality is reality too. You both get to have your own reality. Um, then we remedy the barrier. And then we praise the child for recognizing their limits. We give them words around it. I'm really glad that you told me you were overwhelmed by walking away. Or I'm really glad you were able to do X or recognize X. And this gives words around that as well of, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Or, oh, I am uncomfortable. Or, oh, you need to use the bathroom. Thank you for telling me. Because that act was communication, but it also gives those replacement words so that you can start to build those self-advocacy goals about what a person needs in the moment. And now this obviously is going to be tiered based off of the child's communication abilities. It's going to be tiered based off of their expressive language. Obviously, it's going to be tiered by their ability to recognize their emotions. All of these things are going to be put into place. So don't just take my words and make the assumption that I'm only speaking of verbal children or speaking children. I am, you can tear this how you need to within um, an individual client. Now on shouldering the burden, all of this, because we as adults are doing this to young children, right? Um, and I want you to, question these things when you get into this. Um, am I teaching my client how to get their needs met? Well, if they're having a behavior and your response is to change that behavior, then are their needs being met in that situation? Or are we just changing the presentation of the discomfort to begin with? And this is why it's important to go back to what it is to be autistic, what it is to have an understanding of your surroundings. And if you are not teaching, actively teaching somebody how to get their needs met, then they are not going to be able to um, assent. They're not gonna be able to be autonomous and they're not gonna have a secure attachment to the people around them. And this is all very, very important in order to have that connection that will last throughout or last well into adulthood, right? Because this is not just about this moment. This is about an overarching theme. Am I limiting autonomy by ignoring the root cause of behavior? So this gets into something a little bit more tricky, right? Because we're not just talking about the replacement behavior. We're talking about um, the initial behavior too. That, that initial behavior is 
lacking the autonomy to to make a decision in the moment to do what we want to do, which is learn apples, bananas, and oranges. Because we've already done the assessment to say, these are things that the child likes to eat. These are things that the child wants to access to eat. And by ignoring the root causes, then the child is not able to learn that skill that they want to learn. We're making the assumption, because I want to make the assumption here that you have aligned your goals to the goals of your client. So by not giving access to the ability to get your needs met, we are limiting the autonomy of actually learning how to do that. And then finally, are we limiting the autonomy by putting extra pressure on our relationship with the client? Because innately children and people want to connect with others. They want to feel secure in their relationships. And now are we putting pressure on that relationship by expecting behavior to change to what we want it to change to? rather than helping somebody to meet the goals that they want to meet. Because nobody wants to have a meltdown, right? No one likes that, that feels terrible. It is overwhelming for me personally. Time moves like so much faster in that moment. What is normally one second may actually feel like two minutes crammed into that one second. And that just makes everything exponentially just bigger. That is not a good feeling to have. That child does not want to have that meltdown. That is the last result um, resort of a child. And so are we putting pressure to conform or to not even to conform, are we putting pressure on that relatedness that we all want to have with the people around us because we are innately social beings, even if we need downtime from it, <laughs> by expecting a different behavior for, because that is what we see is needed to access the environment. And I think that with a lot of our reinforcement procedures and a lot of our punishment procedures, we are putting pressure on doing or doing that to meet the needs of the adults in our in our orbit. And again, this is with the youngest of children. As an adult, you can see this big picture. You are expected to be able to do this or you're, you're expecting a lot of a three-year-old. And I'm going back to three-year-old because most of our clients starting out are in that early childhood range. I recognize that we do ABA on older, but like our, our biggest is going to be in the early intervention field, right? Um, so I don't want to make the assumption, but I just keep on going back to that reference because it's easier to conceptualize it with the age of, a typical client. I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing the video now and really just talk about this um, in more depth. Um, the other thing is when we get into 
so this all this is a kind of a mixture of self-determination theory and cps um ross green cps how that we want to make sure that children are doing well by giving them the tools that they need to assent to treatment we want that true autonomy we don't want and we don't want assent based off of the manipulation of our relationship with the child whether that is through the things that we've paired with whether that's through the reinforcers whether that is through any of these external things we want that secure attachment to be innate inside the person that they don't feel like they're having to meet your standard to get that um to be able to pursue life we want to be able to have the ability to have that removal of assent so that we are that they know that they can always say no so important to be able to say no because of the lifelong concerns if you don't not even talking about things like sexual abuse or intimate um, partner violence, which are at a um, which we do see at, at a higher rate with autistic people, but also just being people pleasers and not knowing how to say no when you're getting to your limit. And there, this is a problem like overarching with a lot of people. It's not this is not unique to autistic kids how many people feel like they can't say no to their boss about coming in on the weekend, even if they need that time. Have you ever taken a vacation day, but your boss still calls you and you, you still do whatever they ask you to because you don't want to say no to them, even though you've already, you've taken the vacation day, you're already being paid for time for yourself and you're still doing what you need to. These are the simple, the small ways that in our lives we want to, feel secure. What about with your friends? Are you ever are you the type of person that if a friend asks you, hey, I really need to borrow 20 bucks? Are you automatically saying yes because you can't find a good reason to hurt that relationship? When they've asked, so clearly the, the answer can be no. <laughs> Otherwise it would be give me $20, <laughs> which would then bring into aspects of barriers that we need to have but this is this is about helping somebody learn how to create those boundaries and we want to have that with autistic children especially because we because autistic children end up being at such higher risk especially into adulthood when and i'm talking more along the lines of people who in who need higher levels of support who may end up in group homes, you need to be able to say, no, stop doing that. Because you are at much higher risk because a lot of times with that, we are also getting into guardianship. We're getting into um, personal care workers that may not have um, a good understanding of the power dynamics that are involved in that situation. We want to be able to ensure that these people, that especially our most vulnerable autistic clients are able to remove assent and are able to access their homes without fear. So that's why it's important to really focus on these things.
And by focusing on giving a client the ability to remove assent, we automatically give them the ability to assent because they know that their removal means something. So, questions? <laughs> I'll let you go first, Kim, if you have one. Um, I guess, Oswin, I'm wondering about parents of young children who don't really know the boundary with a sense versus being a good parent and saying, well, we have to brush our teeth now. Can um, talk about that a little bit? I think, so this is where we get back into needing to understand what the barrier is there, right? I'm not saying the kids don't have to brush their teeth. Yes, they have to brush their teeth. <laughs> this is good, healthy self-care. Um, I am talking about the very specific areas of what are the barriers to doing that is meant too much <laughs> do we need to switch to a foaming toothpaste versus a paste do we need to change from this kind of toothbrush to more of a vibrating toothbrush that feels better on the teeth are we having problems with that motor coordination with something like they, there's this really awesome product out there that I personally use that um, is a U shape that you clamp your teeth down onto, has a UV light and it scrubs all the things. It's not as, as good as a regular toothbrush, but if you don't have the motor control, the regular toothbrush isn't going to be useful either. <laughs> so is all about identifying those barriers because the reason that somebody is removing that ascent is not because they don't want to do it. It's because that thing is not working within the bounds of what their body or brain can handle. Um, so it's not about the removal of ascent. It is about accessing the environment. I'm just wondering, like, is this something that should be part of an assessment, like oper operationally define assent for each individual, right, in the assessment process? This is what uh, removal of assent looks like uh, so that the techs understand, oh, okay, this is what I do in this situation instead of. I know. think that is a very good idea. Um, so one of my children um, but I won't disclose which one. Uh, one of the first or the first step of the behavior plan says, are all accommodations being met? Because the first step is not changing the behavior. It is changing the environment. And like as BCBAs, everyone knows this, that you can change the environment to get the behavior that you want. Well, this isn't really so much about the... Um, the or it's not an antecedent strategy to changing behavior. It's just about accessing the environment. And so if we can shift that focus, but yes, I think that having an, an assessment or part of your initial assessment is going to be, what does that look like for this person? The other problem that comes with that is if somebody has been in ABA for a while, you're probably not going to see a removal of assent. Um, so that you may need to look even deeper at what the person is doing before you can even figure out what that what that looks like. Is it just a small shift in the eye? Is it a small shift in body posture? Um, is it tightening the shoulders, but still following through? 
Mm-hmm. Um, because that is where it gets really tricky is when you've already taught somebody that their no doesn't mean anything. Um, but yes, I think that is a very important step in making sure that we have full assent of the person. And I was just curious about like, it, maybe if you could tell us a little bit more, cause I like, I'm completely ignorant of CPS and self-determination there. Okay. I'm not sure so, about that. Um, I'm not surprised. (laughs) So self-determination theory is an overarching belief that um, of the three things that every person needs to be able to live, they need to be able to access surroundings, have full autonomy and have a secure attachment to, um, to the people around them. And that when you have all these pieces together, then you were able to, live your fullest life um, with no value judgment on like what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So being able to get your needs met, being able to say and do what you want to do. This doesn't have, this isn't put into um, concept of a moral compass. This is not about morality. (laughs) Um, Morality is a different construct and then um the ability to stay or that we know the secure attachment with each person so like this is it's not difficult to to see how it goes but this work goes back into the 1980s um it it was developed along the same or around or the same trajectory of it um as aba so this is this research was being done separate from aba research um but it's really about making or doing what we can to live our full, fullest lives and what that looks like. And, it, and these three components are the most, or are the basic needs of a human being to be able to live their full life. Um, now, Ross Green's uh, collaborative problem solving model is um, a parenting um, model that's used a lot for um, kids with the most explosive behaviors, but it recognizes that again, a child will do well when they can. And so when you sit down with a child that's had a rough day, then we want to collaborate with them on what it is that, or so that you can get down to what the root cause it causes, because we've got behavior, then we have our trigger, and then we have our root causes of those behaviors. And so obviously we take the trigger point as a point of, okay, this is where things went wrong, but what is underlying that? And then what can we do to better support those needs, but also recognize that we have likely damaged the relationship between, and I don't mean like irreparably damaged. I just mean like in that moment, we have damaged that relationship between ourselves and the people that care for us. But we don't want to make someone feel bad about that because in that moment, they've just had a really rough moment. This is not, and there's something underlying it that um, is really, really impactful. So I I'm conceptualize the way that these two go together, which I don't think has been done before, <laughs> um, SDD and um, CPS. Um, but I, I feel like um, if we're, when we're talking about this, we really want to, to look at and helping somebody understand that they, especially with kids, because pe- kids want to please their parents. Kids want to please their teachers. Kids want to please their therapists. Um, they're happy with those people, right? 
hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about 3Pi Squared and the products and services that we provide, please go to www.3pisquared.com. And if you enjoy our podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe or add it to your favorites. This way you won't miss any episodes. And you can also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn by searching 3Pi Squared. Thank you so much for listening.